fine. <laughs> Whenever I try and say something cool, I always just come up against like the fact that I have this Australian accent, which means like, like it just it's like with drag queen lingo, how like mm. like well I guess it's also kind of a good thing, but it's like trying to say like girl. Oh, I'm I'm so over. I'm I'm like refuse. I'm basically uh, I don't do drag enough that uh, this is a problem for me now. Uh, I barely even remember uh, what makeup is. To be honest, I put on makeup last night for a dress rehearsal for a show, and like an online show. And I was like, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah, but like I... my self perception is that I don't know how to do makeup. But I actually have like quite specialized drag drag makeup knowledge yeah because it's it's there's 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 knowing about makeup and then there's making yourself look good and you can always make yourself look good but then knowing about makeup is like and if you use makeup for long enough inevitably you will find a way of making yourself look good yeah i, I often that's feel like far a... too charitable actually i've seen a lot of I've no, some people look like garbage and always. i feel like actually i just i kind of just like rely on the fact that like it's pretty easy to turn my face into that of a pretty woman. Like it's not so, it's not so difficult. So it's not like I'm like really sort of like doing this really like Kim Kardashian contouring and stuff. It's just like, are you put a, like a wig on and lipstick and I kind of look a bit like a cis woman. Yes. <laughs> like, so it's like, I think if I, if I had a less easily feminized face, then I'd be in quite a bit of trouble or maybe I would have cared more. <laughs> yeah no totally right it's just like yeah you, there is no there is no investment in the practice of transformation because it's just like because uh, I look sense, good <laughs> good just like um but yeah like uh I feel like uh yeah I just want to if I I don't want to be using any of this Americanized appropriated like post sort of ballroom culture like uh to, like I don't I don't want to be associated with this. no I don't mind it so much it's just like it's just there's just so much package with it, and also so, so instead of instead of like girl, I just want to be like lady, <laughs> and then instead of sickening, I'm gonna go with playgridden. With, with with what playgridden? Playgridden. 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 Oh, playgridden. <laughs> playgridden. What's that? Yeah, I that was like like a like a Norfolk accent for playground, and the playgridden. No. <laughs> No, Playgren are like the children, like in, instead of my drag house, I will have Playgren, which is where, my, where I'm so Playgren that I've like given my sickening sense to other people. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've spawned them. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to have a drag house. I want to have a spawning. Yeah. Well, just like, yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I we, <laughs> when it, like me and some performers, when we started performing like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, we, uh, we decided that we were going to have a thing called the House of Crazy Frog. Um, uh, and it was just like all of us, like, and, and frog was spelled F-R-P-G. Um, and, uh, and it was just like, we we're going to do these amazing lip syncs to, uh, to the Crazy Frog. Yeah, just, just, I don't know why. I don't know. Um, and, and which is funny because I was like, now later on, I'm like, I don't get your frog memes oozing glue. But like, I've always very strongly identified with the crazy frog. Did you see the article that said that she had come out as a trans woman? No. But what? 
<laughs> There's an article online about how Crazy Frog has come out as a proud trans woman. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But get this right. You know how um, uh, basically the main uh, estrogen tablet that was handed out during the 90s um, was a bright red pill. And that mm. is where the term the red pill comes from in the Matrix. Yeah. Which because they were released at about the same time, so like, so being red pilled is is like this kind of like incel thing. It literally means taking estrogen. Yeah, it's there's a there's uh what's Andre, Andrea Long Chu writes about this in the book Females. Um, she's really really funny. She's like the main thesis of the book is everyone is female and everyone hates it. Um, <laughs> and I I actually kind of I use this in a book chapter that I wrote recently called mm. A Case for the Abolition of Men. Uh, and because I like kind of agreed with her because she says that like femaleness is this uh, it's this ontological like state of being I still don't know how to use the word ontology but she I'm quoting so um, uh, like ontological state of being um, where one's own uh, desires are sacrificed for the desires of another and so she says we're mm. all on, uh, all female, and but this condition of femaleness is especially attra- att- like attached to women, even though it's a universal uh, state. And um, oh, that's saying, really uh, interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I took it to actually and said uh, actually that I was disagreeing with it because um, I agree that like everyone is female, but that not everyone has to hate it because it relies on this liberal individualist idea that the desires of other people necessarily conflict with our with our own. And um, mm. like basically trying to use Rahel Yigi and Nancy Fraser to say actually that like the desires of another, uh, like the fulfillment of the desires of the other is tied up in, the, uh, in my own liberation. Um, mm. So I'm being a bit, a bit too earnest, I think, in response to a very flippant argument. But uh, that is actually available and I will post the link for people to buy this uh, book. It's 10 euro. It was just published recently. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of this bit of writing. Thanks for the, thanks for the lead in to that uh, plug there, Gloop. <laughs> that's, uh, that's perfectly OK. A little, a little lesson for, for you and the listeners is that ontology is just a, and this is just because these words are very simple and they're used, they're pretty like, but it, it's actually very simple. Uh, but uh, it took me a while to sort of like just uh, remember it. So, but ontology is basically just your perspective on the world. It's just your point of view. It's just, uh, so ont- like, um, and it's to do with the way that a point of view is constructed in a certain sense. Whereas like, um, epistemology is the way of knowing so it's a mm-hmm. form of, mm-hmm. of knowledge of knowledge construction and that's just that's the difference between the two so uh and now my mind's gone completely blank as to how to use them in a sentence but hey you can always just go back and listen to how olympia used it and you can work out if that was ontological or epistemological See, this is just, <laughs> I, I, like people have been explaining this to me for like uh for well since 2008 at university uh, so twelve years, and you know, sometimes I think it's I think it's really important to to, uh, to admit when when certain certain concept, concepts just elude you or whatever, because it reminds me of being in maths class, because like maths stuff doesn't stick in my brain, and so um, and so it's just like I'm just kind of making my peace that I will uh, with the fact that I will be relearning what ontology or ontological means for the rest of my life that it's just I'm going to have to keep on doing it over and over and I have the same with ideology as well like I um 
like I just keep having to go back to it and being like, okay, what is ideology again? And of course, because it's contested, but like it is mm. so, I find it really difficult. And I've Ooh. decided to be really honest on this podcast about yeah. ideas that I find really difficult. I was, uh, I actually have just come to understand very effectively the trash can of ideology. What? <laughs> so Zizek's one of you know how like Derrida famously contributed like the metaphysics of presence, and uh, you know Kant famously contributed the uh, the categorical imperative, and there's these certain concepts that philosophers contribute. This is a very niche kind of famous, I'm guessing. It's a very niche kind of famous. Yes, yes, yes it's true. Uh, but, you know, just certain ways of thinking. Oh, you know, for example, Sartre came up with the argument for, uh, you know, famously contributed the argument, the concept of bad faith. Yeah, I think that's maybe that my, my knowledge of philosophy is a bit like a Swiss cheese. Like, uh, you, delicious, it, but full of holes. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, uh, a bad faith arguments are really interesting. Bad faith is when you, um, is when you, uh, you know what? I'm 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 here to talk about the trash can of ideology. Okay, like yeah, yeah, basically of all of these things, Zizek's contribution to the knowledge of mankind is the trash can of ideology. So, um, uh, because he basically is a a, a raccoon philosopher, mm-hmm. um, who and I was writing about this, and um, and I always kind of I didn't understand it, but basically, there's. Uh, Ideology is, is sort of just the, this kind of construction of the world and it, it, there's, a certain, there's a certain function to ideology which is a certain kind of as-if function which is, um, so for example, uh, when the Panama Papers came out the entire British, like, and the entire world super rich elite were shown to be in a complete scam um, and the whole system was completely rigged, including the Prime Minister's father, six days into being elected, and he, he was supposed to have resigned, and all these things. Um, the British public continued to act as if they um, they were to, as if the system was still fair. Mm-hmm. Everyone still got up, they still went to work, they still did all these things. In Iceland, for example, one in ten people protested, and the Prime Minister had to resign. But like, But actually, in many countries across the world, people continue to act as if so we've got this very classic uh thing whereas marx sort of had this the classic idea of the classic idea of ideology is that uh they do not know they're doing it but they are doing it kind of thing or there's this kind of like you know uh, if only you could see if only there was the truth if only you could unmask the the things and this is why this is also uh yeah and um blah 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 conspiracy theories anyway uh like there's this this notion and it's it's far more deconstructed than that so the trash can of ideology basically is this as if and the way to understand it is that when we take a piece of trash and we throw it away uh we know very well that it goes to a landfill and that it lives on and that it uh will you know continue to exist for however long until it biodegrades however we act as if it is just vanished or it's just disappeared. And so it's basically the same with, with many things. And it's with this Panama Papers and stuff like that. But that's 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 the trash can of ideology. Mm-hmm. Which is a Zizek meme. Huh. Yeah, there's a lot of memes about Zizek, huh? I, yeah. Yeah, I'm just blanking. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you were daydreaming? 
Yeah, you know what? I was I was away with the fairies. I was daydreaming, which brings us to <laughs> thank you <laughs> to today's theme, uh, which is dreams. Which brings us to us introducing ourselves. I am Queen of the Heavens and of the Earth, Empress of Despair, Architect of Your Eternal Suffering, Olympia Bukakis, and I'm oozing gloop. And you're listening to our podcast, Slurry. <laughs> so today, today we've decided we're talking about dreams. Um, yeah. uh, maybe let's okay. Let's start by. Um, I wanted to tell you I had a dream recently. There was some someone like a public figure that I like thought slash think is really cool, and then that I that they had I found out that they held a conservative view that I um, or a reactionary view that I was quite disappointed by, um, and it's not important like who or what they were. Um, name the names. <laughs> but then I went and I had a dream. Uh, like, like I was thinking about it and then I went to sleep and then I like in the dream, I like, and it was like a long dream. Cause you know when like, oh, well, like maybe you don't know. Well, maybe I don't know. Uh, like when you're hungover mm. and you're like, you're having a, like a morning hangover dream and it just goes forever. Um, and, uh, like, so it was like very detailed cause I was only half asleep and mm. It was like I was hanging out with this person that I had been disappointed by. Um, and, then, and then it turned out that like, and I was trying to work out why they held this opinion. And then it turned out that they were secretly dating Elon Musk. And then Elon Musk showed up with like a helicopter and everything. And then everyone had to run away because like, like the billionaire class was coming to like, like demolish the whole situation. And, and then and then I woke up and I was like, that is so weird. And it just made me think of recently when you measured, mentioned that Elon Musk posted that meme about having such a big dick that it gave him back problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally, totally. But you've, you've missed out because you have not named the name. We don't know who this is. So we don't get to have the enjoyable juxtaposition of these different figures. Or also as well, the, the, the insight into your subconscious, which revealing the truth would be. So who was it? Uh, just no. I already said I wasn't going to say that. Ah, oh, is it? Anyway, is it someone who's famous? Okay, We're not I'm playing that assume... game. That's not that. That wasn't what I was willing to share. I'm going to assume it was Kate Bush when she revealed that she voted conservative. No, she uh, was okay with Theresa May. Oh, really? Did she, yeah, but then she... she later she it was a big controversy in England, and eventually she had to clarify she didn't. It was taken out of context. But for a while. So yeah. I'm going to assume Kate Bush supporting Theresa May was secretly dating Elon Musk. Yeah, and now yeah. we have a dream. Yeah. Well, I I had a dream the whole time. You're just trying to appropriate my dream. <laughs> no, but I yeah, I mean, like oh my god, no. There is not a dream that could be dreamed that I have not dreamed in terms of like technique. Like I have these hangover dreams. I have them almost every morning. Like mm. I have long lucid dreams, like uh, consistently, and like so many different like crazy things. Um, uh, red wine used to really affect my dreams though uh, in a very negative way. This was white. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I had a period of time when I was just drinking like a lot of red wine and sleeping in a lot. And uh, I would just wake up like, and then I just couldn't, uh, yeah, just drag myself out of bed. And um, the dreams would be like very lucid, but they would get just gradually worse. 
mm-hmm. like consistently, like worse and worse and worse. I'd be like, this is really bad. And I'd be like, just keep dreaming and get to a nicer point again. And it would just get worse and worse and worse. I was like, maybe a nicer point's coming and worse and worse and worse. And it would just end with the most visceral, realistic sensation of just being stabbed in the gut oh. repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, wake up like like uh, like really like terrified. It was awful. Yeah, this is, like it's strange how some physical sensations like always recur. Like right, so like we haven't done any research for this episode, dear listeners. So so the antithesis of research. Yeah, yeah. Like so, but like you know, like the falling. Uh, also, I often I oh my god. Yeah, we talked about this recently for like, like, not the falling, but having killed someone. A lot of people have dreams about having killed someone. And I often, uh, not often, but I have them every now and then. And you're like, oh my God, now I've got to go through this whole process. And like, like, as in like, I have to live and then thinking I've gotten away with this, but how will I live with myself for having gotten away with it? Okay, wait, two seconds. You know what? I said I dreamed every dream out that I've never dreamed that I killed someone. What? You had it? Really? But did yes. you? There was a recent episode where you were talking about, um, oh, it was, it was, uh, it was about, uh, um, you were speculating. It was the last episode. You were speculating as to whether it would be useful for you to know where to hide a body. At least oh, I was yeah. dreaming about it. You're like actively thinking about whether it's relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? You don't I... have dreams that you killed people? No. Oh, me but... neither. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a dream that someone else was dreaming about it. Yeah, because because <laughs> I had some rumours about whether some quicksand pits, you know. <laughs> no, like, uh, I recently, though, I recently had a dream that I was falling. Um, actually, I had two dreams, two separate nights where I was falling, or all separately. But one, I was falling uh, towards the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I have to, like, approach it in the right way. I was falling from really, really, really high up. And uh, it was quite stressful. And uh, there was just... I was like, I'm going to break every bone in my body. And I was like, try to fall on it. I couldn't. And then basically what happened was is a gigantic inflatable shark appeared on the top of the ocean. And I landed on it. And, uh, and with such force that the shark exploded... And then I just sunk into the water, but it at least broke my fall. And it was just like, yeah. Because I always wake up when I land. I never, I never, um, I never actually hit the ground when I'm falling. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, no. And then there was another one recently where I was falling and I, have, I and there was this, I could see the whole world and I was like, I tried to fly and I sort of kind of like uh, managed to, but yeah, like, uh, I think that, um, uh, sort of the way that like sleep works as like the the trial version of death is just something quite appealing really so i like i think i guess i can just stay inside it you know i used to, i used to have recurring nightmares of uh zombie apocalypses and, mm. and like i used to find it really really difficult to watch um to watch zombie films and eventually i had to stop because it was just upsetting me too much because i would have nightmares every night about it and then oh. i um how uh, I stopped having these nightmares was because, um, and I suspected and talked about this with the therapist, like this was years and years and years ago, um, that I thought that it was to do with my feeling of being alienated from society and also by the idea of fi- being found out and hunted. Because um, mm. like this was an experience that I had, like I think as like a young burgeoning, uh, like, 
like queer tranny in a like a in a, in a hostile environment in in a country town um but i was like <clears throat> i realized that the two states of like i would be walking around in these dreams and everyone's a zombie and i would be waiting for the moment that people realize that i'm alive and kill me um mm. which is not so dissimilar to that feeling when you're 11 or 12 and you're like mincing around <laughs> like in, in like in the changing rooms or, or whatever um and so I was like, oh, that's what this is about. But then one day, uh, one night, I had this dream that like um, everyone was a zombie and then somehow I died be and became a zombie and then I could see the perspective from like everyone else's, uh, like everyone else's perspective, like all the other zombies. And, uh, and then I kept switching in between the two. And then after that, I never had another zombie dream even mm. though I, it was a recurring nightmare. It was like I resolved it somehow by becoming a zombie myself, which is why I'm now a heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you were, you were like, that's how you picked up on my heterosexual performativity. <laughs> no, my performative heterosexuality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... But pretty cool that you can resolve an issue that you're like an ongoing issue in your dreams by having a particular dream. That's cool, no? Yeah, 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 totally. It's like, well, this is also, there's various, certain, there's lots of different interesting theories of dreaming about this. Uh, but I had a dream at university. I was not afraid of anything when I was at university in my first year. And basically things just weren't going very well and I hadn't really noticed yet. And But what happened was is that part of, of this is the, the, the first sign that it wasn't going well was maybe about uh, two, two and a half, Wait, I'm not sure when, it was in the first the first six months. I don't know if it was before or after the Christmas uh, situation, but uh, the floor in my dream started to tilt upwards, and but it was a floor, it was like a road with like yellow lines on it and things like that, and I was... I had to cling to the floor, like, because it was going up, it was, like, past a 45-degree angle, and it kept tilting up, and if I moved, I would fall down, even though I was somehow lying flat on the ground. And then after that, I became uh, completely terrified of heights. So it gave you a fear IRL? Yeah. From the dream? Mm -hmm. Yeah, from the dream. And I think it's basically just because I was in this institution where they said that they were working to, uh, to help me or whatever or in these various things but it was not that there was another situation going on and where it was actually and it was just this that was not in alignment with like sort of the conscious values or the conversations that I was having and there was a, mm. a a deeper thing that I was missing out on and that there was a sensation of yeah and it gave it completely gave me this terror and then um eventually I was installing an art uh exhibition somewhere and there was like a, a four and a half meter high ladder to get to the ceiling to put things up on there. And I was with someone who was helping me, um, who was not being paid. And we looked at it and they went, we looked at this ladder that was the tallest I've ever seen in my life. And they were just like, I'm not going up there. And I was just like, so I'm the artist. I want these up there. I'm going to have to go up there. And there was like six different points. I tell you, I went up that ladder terrified of heights and I was not afraid of them by the time I came down. <laughs> yeah right yeah it's like it does get less scary just by doing it yep it was a very terrifying process though it was really yeah. just like going through the day. i was like i do not want to do that get up with the end. um yeah do you know much about various theories of dreaming i've read a little bit uh like um i think there's that freud is it an, a book or an essay it's a, it's a book like on dreams mm -hmm. um 
But uh, like, I, you know, it was a while ago. And then there's like, you know, this like pseudo spiritualist, like, you know, new age bullshit where people, I think like, like something that Freudian and psychoanalysis and this uh, new age, uh, like bullshit um, has in common is that like, uh, like at its worst, it likes to reach inside your dreams and tell you what, um, like that, like that, what your dreams mean. Um, and I think the idea of sort of like flat out interpreting dreams, uh, unless it's in like, you know, like a more like solid, like, cause there are cultural practices of interpreting dreams, uh, like, uh, which I, I'm not including, uh, like in this, in, the, in this critique, um, like, but like when someone comes along and says, I have this whole new set of knowledge and I can tell you what your dreams mean that like it's not part of like uh like uh like a cultural process that like gives coherence uh to like a community and, and and part of that culture but like when someone says you dreamed this and from the framework that i've just made up that's what this means i think there's a certain violence to that because it's an imposition of like a conscious order onto an unconscious process and so i think it's kind of nice to leave it sort of open um, yeah. but like, and so that's why I'm not so convinced by Freud, but I, I like, when I think about like, when I'm thinking about my own dreams, I like to think about like emotional patterns or figures or something and think, what does this remind me of in my everyday life? And can this tell me something about like my, my experience of my everyday life? And then it can be super helpful, but then you need to be doing a journal and stuff to understand it. Yeah, but I used to do journal. It's really valuable. There's lots of like, so if you, uh, if you don't, um, if you don't remember your dreams, but you want to start a dream journal, which helps give you a really fabulous amount of content. It's, I'm definitely mentally much healthier when I keep a dream journal and I haven't been keeping a dream journal in a while. Uh, ta-da. Um, <laughs> ta-da. Ta-da. I'm not doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you wake up and you just have to, you, the, you wake up and you have to write down, if you don't remember absolutely anything, or you should try and write down anything. So just a colour, an impression. Uh, you know, was it good? Was it bad? Anything, anything. And then and then once you write that one thing, see if there's something else. And if there's nothing else, then you have to write down, I chose not to remember my dreams. And that's because basically, and then if, it, and if it's this, because it's like, because you can remember your dreams. It's perfectly possible. You could just have to reorientate yourself. We don't make space of practices. I think a far more interesting question than how are you or what do you do is what did you dream of last night? And I think that that would be something that I would like to normalise within a culture. Yeah, it would be really nice. Um, but then uh, if you... But the thing is then also as well is that if you say, like, I chose not to remember my dreams and then the next day you have a bit more progress. But also if you wake up in the night and there's a set of dreams and you want to remember those dreams in the morning, take something from your bedside table or like a piece of paper or something like that, just screw it up and throw it into the middle of the room. Like just rearrange something in a way that it, it just shouldn't be like that because you'll wake up in the morning and you'll go, why is that there? And then you will remember the dream from the night time. Mm, yeah. It's also, so I think the distinction that you're referring to in these two practices, there's, there's, there's like, Freud, there's a lot of these new age people are actually referencing Carl Jung, who was a contemporary of Freud, who believed in, who's more willing to believe in synchronicity or or explore uh, things viewed as paranormal, uh, but also because I mean the thing is is that the unconscious mind was a revelation of 
Freudian times, so or like Freud or whatever, people didn't have access to an unconscious mind uh, before that. They didn't have the idea that there could be another mind uh, besides their unconscious one. But that it, and that then within that's where you get these books of like these books of like dream images and these things. And I think there's a certain there's a certain validity to some of them. Like for example, the dream when you dream your teeth are falling out, it's a it's a sign that you've lost control in your life. Uh, or that you feel out of control in your life. And I've definitely had times where I'm stressed and then teeth are falling out. That's a quite a famous one. But that's also, that's to do with practices of the, the collective unconscious and these, blah, 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 blah. It's also sort of there. Um, and so, but yeah, I think that, but really Freud's theory, Freud's actual, the Freud's theory of dreaming specifically gets misinterpreted as, uh, oh, you dreamt about food last night, so you must be hungry. It's like, that doesn't, that's not, he said that dreams were a way in which we could reveal unconscious desires or conscious patterns and things within our lives. So being hungry is just very conscious. It's just quite obvious, you know. Uh, you, you you dreamed, you went on a, a you think, you know, this sort of stuff, anything like this. Like I had a friend who one time, like, dreamed that like a pair of lesbians in a sport car turned up and took her away and had a magic wand that could give her any food that she wanted. And she was like, oh, carrot sticks. And I'm like, are you sure you can have anything? And she's like, cake. It's like, right, you're just a dyke who wants like to be in a, be taken away by other lesbians <coughs> in a fast car and be fed cake. That is not, that's not a, a I want thing. that dream. And I also want that reality. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I want, I want lesbians in a sport car to come and pick me up and take me away and give me cake. Can you yeah. imagine anything better right now? I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. It was a magic wand that would give you any food that you wanted. So uh, you could have many cakes. Just the thing is, I'm pretty satisfied with all food. Like, I, I really, like, I love chickpeas. Um, I, like, cake is great. I love croissant. Like, whatever the lesbians want to feed me. Like, I'm just happy that I'm in a sports car. They've picked me up. I'm like, there's no sort of, like you know, cis bro energy, like, it'd just be great. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fab. So unfortunately though, that's a very conscious desire. We can very easily consciously say that that's something we want to do. But before you said that, that was not a conscious desire. It has become a conscious desire of <laughs> mine now that I know that it's something that I could desire. And <laughs> conceivably, because I feel like, I feel like, like our following, like is much more like, I feel like there's, many more lesbians like in my like in my following that I don't know lesbians certainly express more um more appreciation than I don't gay men tend I don't think I have many gay male fans <laughs> maybe they're put off by the constant like constant like um what's the word like avalanche of misandry that just comes out of my mouth. What was the uh, what was the title of the book chapter you just wrote? <laughs> a case for the abolition of men, and there oh. is there is a paragraph in there where I specifically rip into gay men. <laughs> okay, yeah. Some would yeah. say they've gone through enough, but no, yeah, it, yeah, you know. Just... <laughs> I said that gay men have const- constructed a cult of uh, a, a, new, a cult of neo-masculinity centred around a phallus that is so intoxicated it can barely maintain an erection. <laughs> I mean, that is true. It is true, right? And, but then I'm yeah. also like, now that I've said that, will you have sex with me? <laughs> 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 and I'm like, I don't understand why people are so intimidated. It's not like I write, oh yeah, polemics about how much I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, 
But I, I think you're right about like definitely. I think uh, almost I wanna... everything that Freud writes like gets misinterpreted and like um, and then like simplified and like totally misunderstood. I actually really like this idea that like dreams can tell us something like yeah. uh, like that they, they that they have an unconscious logic. It's where one has a prescriptive method for in, uh, interpreting that that I start to get annoyed. And I yeah. think Freud does do that a bit. Like also with the teeth falling out thing. It's like I've very often like. Um, for me, it's like about loss. Like I, the dream is very much about loss when I'm like, um, mm. when I have my teeth falling out. But my problem with that is that like what it is to have teeth, like varies from person to person across different cultures and across different times. Yeah. And this is a problem with psychoanalysis is that it poses yeah. this ahistorical um, like uh, psyche. No, no, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. But the thing is, though, is pretty much in every culture, every time people have used teeth as a sort of like grounding thing for chewing, you know, chewing things, cutting things like it's a fairly like there's something about that. that That's a pretty... In Australia, we don't. In Australia, we're, um, we're very gummy. <laughs> you gummy people. In yeah. Australia, it's all about pressing food to the roof of your mouth with your I tongue. know, I know. But it's like, I also, I don't care. It's just an example, which is like, <laughs> it's just saying like, it's just one of these things where it's just, because also there's definitely people who've had dreams about loss and the stability of life where they've not featured teeth falling out kind of thing. It's just kind of a bit like, yeah, but yeah. it's also as well, it's a bit, it's just one of those things where it's like saying, it's, it's something like saying that being hungry is bad. And it's like, well, actually, there's lots of situations, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like, there's situations where you can fast and things, but like, so, yeah. anyway, the, the, so the actual method of Freud's the, uh, interpretation of dreams is not actually about telling people there's a certain symbol set and these sorts of things. What it's actually about is that you take, you find the conscious desire within the dream, the sort of expressed content, but then you have to investigate the form of that dream. Mm-hmm. So why do the lesbians drive that particular sports car? Because they're amazing. Yeah, but what's the model of the sports car? And then you're like, oh, it's my aunt's sports My aunt used to have the same sports car. Then you start getting into the subconscious. You see, it's like, mm. with these things, it's like, where did we drive to? It's like, oh, well, we drove to the caravan park we used to go to when I was six. You know, it's like... Oh, so- God. If, if lesbians picked me up in, <laughs> in a sports car and drove me to a caravan park that I went to when I was six, I would be like, let me out of this otherwise amazing situation. <laughs> I want out. I don't want to go to the fucking... Oh, my God. Caravan parks. The so nightmares. I used to have reoccurring dreams that would happen in many different places when I was in... I was in Norfolk. And, but they would have many different dreams. But every single time at some point in the dream, the walls of the corridors... Uh, I'd be in these these walls and corridors and they would all be the walls of my old high school. Oi. Yeah, so I would be feeling like, so the dreams themselves would have various things, but there would just be, and it's because I felt really trapped at this point in my life in general. Mm. And so therefore the canvas on which my dreams were occurring was my old high school. Mm. And so with that as well, when I was younger, I used to, and I was uh, panicked or worried, I used to uh, have a reoccurring dream that I was driving my mum's car. I would be in the seat of my mum's car and it would be rolling down the, the, our driveway was on a slope and it'd be rolling down the slope into the road. And then um, I remember later in life that I had a dream that finished and I I was standing where the car used to be parked. This is as an adult. And I realised actually I had this massive revelation. I went back through and um, I realised that when I have dreams in cars when I'm driving cars because I don't know how to drive I don't drive mm-hmm. uh, like I don't drive I don't drive just in case you I don't drive I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't drive either yeah you have the choice between being gay and driving <laughs> yeah 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but yeah, so I, I just realized that at a certain point it was, it was actually to do with the fact that the car was just like this metaphor for like basically my ego and actually being someone who was there able to operate this, this body and this machinery that can interact within these various social things. And that, yeah, uh, and so then I know that, uh, and so this is, I know that when I have dreams about cars where I'm driving or something like that, it's always something about the way that I'm operating in, uh, in society. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I yeah. wish I had more wet dreams. I've only ever had one. Um, and I was, I was on a homestay in Japan. So when I was 14, went to Japan for three weeks. Uh, for two... You went to Japan for three weeks when you were 14? I never yeah. knew this. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, what? Because I, I did Japanese in school. Uh, it was okay. a, school, a school trip. Um, and You study Japanese? Uh, hi. <laughs> yes. I can only, I can remember, I can, I remember uh, to say, Demo Banco wa number deska, which is, what is your phone number? And Boku wa Bempi desu, which is, I am constipated. Um, <laughs> I also know Geri or Nomimas, which means I drink diarrhea as well. Those are the three things that I can remember. Whoa, is, whoa. Yeah, so that's I was, like... Because I, I, like, I teach myself one sentence in every, language that I, in, in every language that I learn. And it's always stupid and irrelevant. So in Swedish, I can remember to say, Which is, do you have many children? No, I'm a faggot. I eat children. <laughs> <laughs> So, and it's like I've forgotten like the rest of Swedish and like in French it's tu es mon frère préféré mais mama dit non 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 which is you are my favourite brother but mother says no 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 no, no. <laughs> I, can, I can still speak a bit of French so it's not like I've forgotten everything except that but if I don't brush up on my French or continue learning then I will eventually be left with just that sentence and it's the same with every um, like in uh, in in German before I properly learned German, it was du hast eine große Vagina because this was uh, which is you have a large vagina, which uh, was taught to me by uh, like an exchange student in high school, and I was like, teach me a sentence, and she was like, here you go, <laughs> and that was how I learned about declination. <laughs> anyway, the dream, the the wet dream in uh, in Japan, right? Um, ah! I, I like was staying in the, with this family, getting up and going to a, like a Japanese school for two weeks. And um, one night I had this dream and this was just before I came out, like maybe like nine months before I came out. And I had this dream and it was like, I was having like, I think I was having oral sex with two people um, and guys. And this was obviously kind of like threatening that like, but like it just was so good. And then I woke up and it was a wet dream. And um, oh my gosh! And I was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. What am I going to do about this? Also, like, I hadn't made p- my peace with being gay or whatever. Anyway, um, that so that kind of like made it a, a complex experience um, because I also wasn't even at home, and this family was so nice, but I was so awkward. Um, and then I, um, I like so anyway, cut to like. Okay, that was 15, nearly 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been like, bring on 
my next wet dream but i've never had one again never and it's like now like also like if you could like have a really sexy dream and wake up and you've had an orgasm that's like that is going to be the start of the best day of your life like right because it's like great it's like you start the day with having really good sex right and then and then it's just like and then you know it's just like your mind is like clear and easy and free obviously i'm idealizing uh, a wet dream but like now if i woke up and had, had a wet dream i'd just be like great but of course now that i'm really into the idea yeah. my body my body's like oh, i don't want to give you that i only want to give that to you when you're like in japan and like struggling to come to terms with your sexuality you could just be having morning sex but as we know from the last episode someone's not into that <laughs> no but that's that's also why it's so ideal because it's morning sex that you don't have to like wake up and endure like morning breath or whatever it's like actually wait what is the what is the end result of my logic that i would rather have sex with someone in my dreams than in real life no i, do, I would just rather have both and no morning breath yes um i've never had a wet dream Really? Never? Never. I know. But see, this is, the thing, this is the thing that's really annoying when you're having like a really sexy dream and it makes you really horny and then you're like, it really, like, I sometimes feel like it brings me close and I'm like, amazing. And then it's like, you wake up and it's like, if you want to follow that to conclusion, then you have to engage in vis- vigorous physical activity. And it's like, that's unfair. I was nearly there. <laughs> okay, so this one time I was a... Uh... At high school, uh, someone asked me if I. Oh, it was so annoying. Someone asked me if I fancied someone, uh, and I said yes because I was like, but because I was trying to cover for the fact I fancied someone else, but I didn't realize they hadn't hidden an agenda and it went wrong. It was a very embarrassing thing. And then what happened is I ended up, I ended up, and it was really, and then I was I was outed, and it was like oh really shameful. And then uh, I ended up getting uh, developing a crush. Then on this person after being outed and I was uh, after being outed as fancying them but I was so outraged I didn't even fancy them all of this came together in this really thing it was this complete like like and I was like no I do really fancy them oh my god but they're like completely straight obviously it's just like just doomed from the outset and this went on for some time and eventually I had the most amazing unbelievable like sex dream like where in the most like absolute like perfect detail where we just like completely fucked and it was like so it wasn't a wet dream but it was so good i woke up and i was like oh yeah oh and i like i was like i looked around for them i was like where are they and then i was like oh i'm in a single bed in my parents house (laughs) it was a dream but then after that i was completely fine with everything yeah, sometimes. Yeah, well, you can, really can resolve it sometimes. You know, I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, when you have like a really good sex dream with someone that you know in the dream, um, like afterwards, it just goes to show that like attraction can be like it's pretty arbitrary and fickle. Um, and so sometimes all you need is like a little bit of a shove, and you're like, yeah, you, you, I'm really into you. And like, <laughs> and so I had this with my uh, with my social theory uh, tutor at uni. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I did had never thought about him. Uh, sexually at all and then uh, I had a really good sex dream about him and I was like yeah yeah actually every time I see you I am filled with a powerful desire uh, that had just come purely from the dream and about someone else that I had met out um, like uh, in clubs who I'd never really thought about sexually and then I had sex with them in a dream 
and then ever since I've just always felt like I like it's like I can't look at them the same way um and it's like I kind of like that about desire that's like like that like with like the way that it's put you know like with romantic love and like and like you know the kind of desire that's portrayed in in like all forms of media I also really like the fact that desire is some like sometimes like you just like give a little bit of a nudge and then it's just there like that it's like desire is like uh, like that you can learn to desire certain things or people or whatever I quite like that yeah well it's also kind of interesting as well because like the two two of the most searched categories of porn are fat porn and trans porn yeah. but these are two of the people that it's uh, least acceptable to be in a relationship with yeah. But not because people aren't sexually into them or sexually attracted to them. Yeah. And that actually it's a very heavily fetishized and fantasized version. And like, uh, that these are populations that are very heavily fantasized, fetishized, and also, uh, openly, uh, discriminated against in a way that feels kind of like, I don't know, like innate or that they deserve it for like bringing it on themselves. Kind of yeah. thing. Um, so that like, uh, I also think as well that it's just that I think it's possible for you to, I also think that you can be attracted to, uh, like I, for example, have had like really good sex with people in dark rooms who we wouldn't, we just basically, we just want to have sex. And then like, I think that, and we're not necessarily so into each other, but then actually once you get into it, exactly. it's something like, Hey, yeah. And it's also as well that then, so I think sex it's is dialectical. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, God, I could do with a synthesis. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also as well, like, I had a really, uh, yeah, when I uh, split my tongue, mm-hmm. I couldn't, uh, I didn't drink coffee, or ca- I didn't have any caffeine for a week. I didn't eat any solid food for a week. I literally just, I was just having soups, like, that were, I had to, I had to cook a soup, blend it, cook it again, and then re-blend it to just get it so, like super smooth. And um, at the end of this week, I was like just in my bed and I was just sort of like half going to sleep and my eyes were sort of half closed and stuff like that. And suddenly all these like huge like uh, amoebas were like in my room and floating through my room and they had these like centers in them that were like like super shiny and like sparkly and like kind of incredible and they were like floating they were like floating through up through my body and stuff and around it was like I could like see I was in my room with my eyes open looking and I could see them it was completely insane and then I closed my eye and then I was like whoa and I sort of sat in that for about 15 or 20 minutes and then I just sort of like closed my eyes and went into the most unbelievable high-powered lucid dream you can like possibly imagine it was like every single nintendo game like at one time shoved together on crack that's crazy it was completely insane yeah 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 yeah. so i kind of like had like this uh the first part was like a mushroom trip and then the next part was just like this like full full lucid dream it was just absolutely mind-blowing wow yeah i um that that sounds incredible from fasting from fasting basically oh, because I was fa- okay. well yeah because of course the tongue was I was effectively fasting because I like these these like I was only having these very thin liquid soups yeah gruels yeah. I didn't because uh, I was thinking when I was only having soups when I after I like my jaw was broken mm. I didn't really have any but actually I was on tramadol so I was I was definitely uh, I can't feel too cheated because I was having quite quite a nice time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell you about a dream because sometimes, oh, so like sometimes when a dream wakes you up, right? 
Um, and I like one time I was sleeping and I, I talked about this on stage because apparently I needed to process it. Um, I was just having a nap and then in the nap, I re- like, like I had this memory of this guy that I had sex with once and, and it was just like such, so good, like such good sex. Um, and, uh, I remembered it and then it like brought me like up out of the dream so that I was awake because it was such a strong thing to remember. And I was saying it felt like Lazarus rising from the grave, like, but like just so that he could go, I'm horny. (laughs) Like like Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and like Lazarus comes up out of the grave, like pouring all the dirt out of the way. And it's just like, God, I'm in the mood for a fuck. <laughs> yeah, a gigantic zombie boner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, that's what it was like. And I, I kind of, I, I, this reminds me of like, I think one of the, like, I had a dream recently, which was so funny that I woke up pissing myself laughing. And it was like, <laughs> so I, I, I'll recount it because I actually had to look up what I wrote to this friend who was in it. So like, I dreamed that my friend Salome um, mm. you, you know Salome yep. um, was uh, that she was working in an ice cream truck <laughs> and so I went up to the ice cream truck it was outside and I explained that I wanted one of a series of flavours and she uh, and she goes it's like she gasped with joy and then said oh my god yes because it's 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I agreed I was like yes and so we we're going to get some water to like for the ice cream and then working out what particular fa- flavor it should be. And then she said, Hmm, it should be something experiential like a mummy or a <laughs> vagina or a good book. <laughs> and then she put, a, she put her finger to her chin and looked into the middle distance and said, Hmm, is a coup experiential? <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing so much that I woke up because it was so much like her. Like it was so her. And just like, so like also that my, my unconscious thinks that the thing that a mummy, a, a vagina, a good book and a coup d'etat have in yeah. common is that they're experiential. Like the one yeah. experiences them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Along with ice cream and 9-11. Yeah, yeah, that, like, like it's mummy flavored ice cream, vagina flavored ice cream, or coup d'etat flavored ice cream, because it's nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like when she was like, because it's nine eleven, and we both went, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like trans femme cackling. <laughs> but that was my favorite dream, and I woke up, and I it brought me so much joy, and then I was like, oh my god, I cannot forget this dream. It's so funny. So I think I wrote it down. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have. What's many your dream- fave? What's my fave? I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I have lots of dream journals that uh, I know there's some. There's often I find though that when you're having a dream, when you then remember it, certain things that will seem very normal in a dream, and then when you go and write them down, it will suddenly be like completely bizarre. And you'll be like, "That's really funny." Like, um, but recently, just after I did this performance at the South Bank Centre, like my least favorite one I had was this completely realistic lucid dream where I woke up. I was in my dream. And I was just dreaming that I was setting up a Zoom meeting. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to dream about this. I want to dream about something else. So then I dreamed I was in my kitchen making a cup of coffee. 
Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, no, I don't, I'm going to go make that after I wake up. I don't want to think about that right now. And then in my dream, I just went back to doing the Zoom meeting. And I was yeah. like, I guess this is who I am. I love these dreams. I have a friend who works in advertising and then he has dreams about like being stressed for a meeting. <laughs> it's really the worst. And it's just like, I could be doing this when I'm awake. This like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I actually, most, I find most of my dreams are not very nice. Like my dreams are like, like very often very anxious dreams. I think I'm only in death now starting to understand because with the PTSD, and mm. like also the pandemic, but like com- like one of the things that like PTSD, what it does for me is it inflames like my, like all the regular, like things that I tend to have a problem with, it makes them much worse. So mm. it's like, and it's like, it's not like there are, is stuff, stuff, some stuff that comes from out of the blue or whatever, but a lot of it is like really making like existing tendencies worse. And then as I'm sort of like meditation and yoga and stuff, which really helps me with handling anxiety um or like doing a journal i'm just realizing that it's like oh my god i have such anxious dreams Mm. Mm. and i'd never get to come in them (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah for me what i really love dreaming about is i just love dreaming about new things i hate ever dreaming about the past it always signals for me that maybe i'm not being as creative as I could be or, or various things. There's just something about it where it's just like, and I just want to see, like I took, I spent a lot of effort moving away from a lot of these images and places. And so I'm just kind of like, uh, but like I am, um, uh, have you ever, uh, maybe this is splitting hairs, but do you know the difference between uh, dreaming and astral projecting? Yeah, one is real. Well, no, basically, like, the the astral projection is, like, this uh, way in which you can, like, enter some sort of, like, psychological, like, collective shared space where it's more intense. But basically, I had this, I think I was reading something about it, and I realised that I had accidentally astral projected before. And the difference between astral projection and a dream is that you can, and more so than a lucid dream, is you can remember everything of... An astral projection, basically. It's far, basically, it was like a ketamine trip. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it happened. So when I had this thing with these, like, where I was, like, kind of awake, but there were these gigantic amoebas in my room. This is, like, a, like an astral, an astral engagement of some form. And it's basically, like, a trip. Like, it's, it's more, it's, like, it's, and tripping is often seen as these things and stuff like that. But it's, like, a, uh, it's, like, more. And I had this, there's a way that you can do it when you, if you force yourself to be totally still, Basically, I was trying to force myself to go to sleep. And I just could I was not tired enough to go to sleep. And so it's just like, and I had this like, uh, sensation of myself sitting up in my body. But like, whilst I was lying down, and like, in doing that, I entered into this half an hour long ketamine trip. That was like, basically, I was like driving, there was a very certain mile of road in Norfolk that we were like driving along, it was super flat, and you could see the ocean, but the ocean was like keyed out. And then there was like just some really, f- there was like loads of really fat British people with fake tans in, on Big Brother instead of the ocean. Um, and then they were like rubbing themselves and being like, well, it's what they want to see the person was like rubbing themselves and being like, oh yeah, with this like very distinctive British like slick back hair that was like, brown and straight and too much and then it like ended with this like particular road from like my childhood 
that like went up that was like very like winding and then also uh and then there was my gigantic snarling face at the end is like just this giant goblin going and i was just like i woke up from this and i was like why why it was so hectic but why is that why why can't that be dreaming for you because that's for projecting like uh, so, uh like proposes some sort of like metaphysical that you go somewhere else or it's basically yeah it's sort of like that it's because it's just it's not i wouldn't because it's not like a dream because it wasn't i wasn't sleeping i wasn't like in a state of like i was like in a i was in a, a subconscious or unconscious state but i wasn't in a sleep state like and it's okay. sort of like it's sort of like uh, and I could remember everything sort of like very distinctly from it yeah I have never experienced something like that while sober yeah it was basically like I was because also as well I mean I've been sober for I've been sober over 100 days now like I was like completely sober like uh it was uh and it was a completely I was like this is like I've just I swear to god I've just taken drugs wow yeah, but it was the same thing when the tongue thing happened as well. Like, and there was this, I felt basically that I was on drugs. And the thing is, basically, is that anything that your brain does when it's on drugs, it's possible for it to do without that. There just has to be the right set of conditions in place. And dreaming itself is part of that. I think this is because, like, when I have hallucinated uh, most of the time and enjoyed it, it's almost always been on MDMA. Um, and Whoa. MDMA, um, oh yeah, I find it mu- like much easier to hallucinate on MDMA than on psychedelics. Um, oh. and, uh, like when I first moved to, <laughs> when I first moved to Germany, I like two days later, I was at Fusion Festival and I had never tried European MDMA. And then I had some, <laughs> and I just like, I called it my special Montout cause I'd never had such a special, like, I guess like like MDMA overdose um, and I was walking I was in a field and I looked left and there was an escalator just in the middle of the field like going up and like you know like and then like with not leading to nowhere right so if you got on this escalator you'd go all the way up and then just drop to the ground <laughs> and I turned to my friend and this sat like it sounds like a like it sounds like like it's not true or whatever but I swear to god it's true I turned to my friend and I was like Oh my god! What the fuck is they doing an escalator in like in the middle of this field? And they said, "What?" <laughs> and then I looked back, and it was just four people standing there having a conversation. <laughs> my brain had, had turned it into an escalator, and because of that, two weeks later, when I went to um, KitKat for the first time, um, mm. and I was also on MDMA. <laughs> I walked in outside and I grabbed my friend and I was like, oh my God, I just hallucinated the swimming pool there. And they said, there is a swimming pool. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was so excited that I took all of my clothes off and dived in straight away. <laughs> but, I, but I think that the reason that it's possible is because in everyday life, because I have anxiety, like about a lot of things, like my brain imposes order right as a way of like mm. like so that like my brain wouldn't allow me to sort of like like get as freaky as it sounds like yours is um uh to uh like so i think like what maybe that's why it's so easy for like for my brain to have a bit of a chillax on mdma because there's like a whole bunch of chemicals in there going like it's fine babe just relax everything <laughs> yeah you should get the phone number of this total loser that you don't even like so that you can go like go for a walk in the nature tomorrow or something like that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but also as well, like, it's also as well, like, 
Oh. <coughs> when you have such a uh, anxious person so tightly controlling the steering wheel and you get them to relax, <coughs> then, oh, oh, God, oh. Sorry, when you've got someone of, like, such a... What's happening? <coughs> I think I've got COVID. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just coughed and it went down the wrong pipe. Uh. Uh, but this is what happens as you get older. You start, you, you like, cough and then you get stuck for, like, five to ten minutes with it. Instead of, like, when you're younger, it just doesn't seem to be such a problem. I have a sore lower back. This sucks. Yeah. But what were you saying? Uh, just that when you've got someone who's like so like such an anxious type controller at the at the wheel, and then you're just like, babe, take some MDMA, and it just like lets go. I mean, it just really lets go, and everything's just like free to roam now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is why I very rarely take it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good like everything in moderation, and it's like I think you said once when I was sober that you were like I very much like. Um, I really uh, support what you're doing and I think it's really great, uh, but I would be lying if I didn't have have the urge to sometimes, like, hold you down, pour a shot down your throat and watch, was it, like, uh, Bruce Banner become the Hulk? <laughs> oh, my God, totally, yeah. Because, <laughs> I, like, I think, like, yeah, it can be, uh, funnily enough, quite a transition. <laughs> God, that's going to be me when I get out of lockdown. I'm just going to be like, no, I don't do this. People are going to be like, we want the drunken mess back. Yeah, it is a funny thing. Like, but yeah, I think someone once said, <laughs> I think I was, I was at Whole Festival and uh, I was sober and someone said to another person, like I was having a chat with a group of people and then they left and it was like, oh, it was really, it was really nice talking to Olympia. And it's like, it's really like <laughs> interesting. And it's like, yeah, because she let other people finish their sentences. <laughs> And then the other person was like, yeah, and she was nice. (laughs) And I like, and um, but I like, I, I also reject the narrative that was presented to me uh, through this. It was actually the person telling me was actually quite passive aggressive, and I was like, listen, it's not my fault if you don't have a life that's very fun. Um, But um, (laughs) but I do think that I'm certainly more considerate when I'm sober. I think we all are. Yeah, I know. My housemate pointed out though that uh, that my my uh, my sense of humour was a bit meaner. Not meaner, but more on point. <laughs> more yeah, cutting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I get yeah. People point out to me that like my that my sense of humour is a bit mean. Yeah, but the thing is though is that it was always it's a, the thing is is that like uh, it was always mean. It's just that when you're sober, you're a bit more accurate, so it finds its target. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then people can interpolate. Whereas before, it was just like, ah, oh, you know, da, da, da. you couldn't, you could never really be mean because you could never really quite land it properly. Right? And it's just like, <laughs> and it's like, ow! Well, I'm, you know, I'm completely into it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just also like you can tell when people don't have many friends who are bitchy drag queens um, because it's like I'm like the nice version of a bitchy drag queen. Yeah. You should, you should meet other ones. I don't know what that means. Okay, so to wrap up, um, quiz, we're coming to the end of our time together. What is, okay, what's something that you want to dream about? What's something that you like would be like the perfect dream for you? Ooh. 
Cognitic utopia. Uh huh. Okay. So no sex. Mm, I think that sex would be a part of that. Like, but I would do, like to dream. Basically, you no. Know, it's like I'm kind of like working on like new forms of narrative and stuff like that. And I would just like to dream about the world that I'm trying to build, in this sense, and be able to like use like create images or use dreaming to sort of like devise images and sort of like go to this. Yeah, that I would like to dream about uh, art that I could make in that sense or or that sort of thing like I think that would be definitely the most exciting thing for me like just the uh just yeah just things that I find inspiring but also as well that I've like I've built this world or I've got this written this manifesto and I'm thinking about trying to like create images for it that would work and I think that dreaming is just such an interesting sort of like laboratory of our mentality that I would love to be able to um to uh work into this you know like and get this and then and, and take things from this this is what i would really love to work on to be able to like sleep dream get up and write a dream journal of it and then and then have a series of images that i can use within my creative practice that would be the most that also as well that then would be a form of self-care for me where i get up and do these things rather than just kind of getting up and just like just being obsessed with the you know dreams about the past blah 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 blah. but yeah i think like that like dreams of like fantasy worlds and dreams dreams of things that i've never seen or experienced before hmm that sounds also well i like the end but i like that this is my review of the dream that you have <laughs> oh my god that is uh that is uh i think <laughs> yeah a bit pretty fair revealing. comment to be honest yeah I thought the end too no, but, so it's like, like janky in the middle there <laughs> good start though yeah <laughs> just like so the axiomatic of the plot is put, we're perfectly content with but all this yeah. stuff in the middle ooh, yeah yeah let's workshop work. that <laughs> yeah, let's workshop that go on it's good it's good at least we've got a clear idea of where we need to be focusing you know yeah, we know what the fair, problem yeah. is it's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can work with this yeah, <laughs> but we do need to work <laughs> because this is not good. <laughs> so yeah, how about uh, so? What's your review? Or to... <laughs> no, I don't want to give a review of your dream. <laughs> then what's your What's your ideal dream? You know what I would like. This is like much more, maybe more simple than yours. I would like to have a dream in which like all of my unconscious desires like come out in this sort of like, like bacchanal and, mm. and that I just feel good about it. Like, cause I feel like, cause I like, like I try, I try and impose a lot of control, I think on my desires. Yeah. And I think I would really like to have a dream where they just all come out and it just feels great. Like that, mm. like that, like all of the thing, like all of these, like, impulses and stuff like it's like it's, it's thinking very much about like the Dionysiac you know like where there's like which is like it's all about excess and pleasure and even violence and stuff like that and just like embracing these really wild parts of life um uh without sort of like the like Apolline like uh like like super ego standing on top and going yes no 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 yes no 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 like just yeah. like a dream where like like the super ego was not present and I just like, I'm just like living my fantasy, living my problematic fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that. And then to wake up and be like, yeah, 
Because I think, yeah, that's that's what I would like. And so I think that's like a really intellectualized way of saying I want to have more wet dreams. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I hear that. I hear that you're getting tired. So I, I think then that it in the in the on the off chance that you're about to go off and have a dream, yeah, uh, a comicratic dream, then let's let's give you the opportunity to do that, right? <laughs> Perfect. So it has been uh, a pleasure to discuss dreams with you, Izzy Gluck. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Olympia Bukakis. And uh, was that an Australian accent that you just did? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm projecting. If you have, uh, maybe I, maybe I, well, I, maybe it's one that I did, but it's not my intention. But okay, our int- well, <laughs> well, um, our intention's not our impact now, is it? No, no. So if you, uh, so email us uh, your favourite dreams that you've had, and we'll select one of these uh, dreams uh, if we feel like it, uh, and share it uh, with our dear listeners. Uh, but what's the email us. address? It is slurryspeaks at gmail.com. And oh if gosh. you enjoyed this episode, and even if you didn't, you should share it on Instagram uh, because that helps us um, come during our sleep. Yeah, I mean, also, let's face it, if you didn't enjoy it, how did you get this far? Some people, I'm sure, hate listen. Hate it. Oh yeah. my god! Even better, you feel yeah. like a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. You made it this far. Like, good on you for committing to it. Babe. Does that mean we? Does that mean we're like? Well, we are definitely audio doms, auditory doms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Bye. Bye. Bye.